Welcome to our first uh, our first episode of Behind Closed Doors, Lessons from 40 Plus Years of Shrinking Heads. Uh, uh, I got my pal Bob McCoy here, who's done this magnificent painting. Uh, and it's a painting uh, of uh, what's happened to you over the last eight, nine years. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm Dr. Michael Sheehan, this is Bob McCoy. We're talking about these lessons. and. Bob's got the lessons, and uh, this is actually a painting that Bob did for us. He uh, did for me. The story is I've been talking with Bobby for a long time about wanting to share what I learned in 50 years of Shrinking Heads, actually. And uh, uh, Bob decided to do the cover for the for the book for me, and there it is. Uh, and uh, Bob's got some of the best stories uh, <laughs> from my lessons. And uh, uh, Bobby, why don't you describe the painting and what's going on in the painting and uh, and your own history with me and uh, with, uh, with lessons. Well, you asked me to paint a painting for you for a book cover. You said the title is Behind Closed Doors, Lessons Learned from 40 Years Plus Years of uh, Shrinking Heads. I said, well, the only thing I can think of is my head <laughs> <laughs> and your couch. <laughs> and you tell the dog to get off the couch. Mm -hmm. but. Uh, that's the dog, by the way. Yeah, that's here. the dog. Yeah. Please. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I started thinking, well, okay, how was I before Nam? And I painted on, on, uh, on this side. Uh, uh, I'm wearing a Cubs hat. My face is down. I'm smelling a rose. Uh, everything's like real rosy, you know. I'm, I got my car in the background, uh, 64 and a half Mustang. And the, my girlfriend's house is next to it, and the church in the background, and a, a balloon. Balloon. We were going to go on a balloon ride. And there's the balloon. Yeah. We were going to go on a balloon ride on our honeymoon. And then Vietnam came. I went to Vietnam. Instead of wearing a Cubs hat, I'm wearing a Company C, 34th Combat Engineer type hat with a, a helmet. I'm in the bad middle of a battlefield. Uh, you can see bombs bur bursting off, men going through rice paddies, uh, a half-blown building. All this stuff was in my head. I stayed two and a half years over in Vietnam. And when I was asked to paint this painting, I did one face, then I did the other face, and I said, what's going to go in between? Thirty-seven faces went in between. There's one face in there of my my wife and child. Yeah, and uh, they were killed over in Vietnam. I was going to send them home. Uh, I didn't know if I was going to live or die over there, so that's why I, I I married a Vietnamese. She got pregnant. She was half French and half Vietnamese. Had a little baby girl. Oh, and during a rocket attack. Uh, we were firing rockets over the over the city at them, over the village, and they were fire, firing rockets M, M50s over at us. And rounds fell short in the village, and that's how she was killed. I also put uh, a frog's frog's picture in here somewhere, where uh, a orange bullet is going through his head. Uh, we were on guard duty, and. Uh, uh, Two o'clock in the afternoon, and behind a, uh, the, the jeep came uh, to get us supplies. Uh, we threw uh, 
uh, a rope with a five-gallon bucket on it down to the guys, and they put uh, new supplies in it. We all hold it up, and and uh, he got a letter from home saying uh, his wife just had a baby girl, and he opened it, and he's standing up near the garden tower, and and he goes, it's a and he never got the word girl out because that envelope went through his nicest head and a bullet round went through the envelope and his side of his head went in the guard tower. Also, I have Slimmer, one of my best friends. Uh, we're on minesweeping detail. Uh, we, we go on minesweeping detail uh, in my company to get the day off. Uh, first you go minesweeping detail, and then you uh, burn shit, you know, and clean out the outhouses. And then you also, uh, when you're done, you take a shower and you get a pass to the village. Well, the day before, uh, we were out on a job site, and Slimmer, I drove a five-ton dump truck, and Slimmer drove a five-ton dump truck, and we always followed each other. Well, he got, got to the bridge first, and they were taken on sniper fire. And when they took it on sniper fire, uh, Slimmer saw the, the big, uh, where the fire was, firefight was coming, uh, the rounds were coming from a grassy area. So he took his M16 and, and emptied the clip in the grassy area. He ran up to the grassy area and found a girl called Little Bit. Uh, a girl called Little Bit in, in Vietnam and uh, uh, Phu Vinh we were taken care of because Little Bit was in, his, in her family home. VC came and told Papa San they want this, they want that, and they said no. And because they wanted their, their oldest son, their, their 15 year old son, he said no. And Papa San uh, when he said no, they killed everybody in the family but her. They raped her. She was seven. And she left her, left her there. She went down to the village. The next time the VC come, they get everything they want. You know, so. And, but sl little, and Slimmer took care of her. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit came uh, adopted by the village and, and loved by the, the post because he's always selling coke and always selling ice cream and, and uh, <clears throat> outside a post. Did you got close to yeah. yeah. And Slimmer, my best friend, got real close to her and sent away, she never had a toy, so sent away for a stuffed animal, a stuffed bear, or a raggedy, raggedy and doll, that's what it was. And she took that doll like uh, people, uh, ladies out in the field have their babies strapped to their back, and that's how she had her doll, always. And when Slimmers shot shot them, they they uh, he ran up to him and saw that was Little Bit, twenty miles away from the village. He had a fit. Uh, he, he he just dumped his load right there and turned around and, and took off. And I took off after him, and the captain Captain Moore said, "You stay with him." tonight, you know, go, go out and get party, go get drunk or something. So we did all night long, and all night long he wouldn't say nothing. The next morning we went on minesweeping detail, which it was hop in a truck, going out to the laterite pit and minesweep from mines on the road. 
I was 10 acres, uh, 10, 10 feet behind him on one side of the road. <clears throat> he was 10 feet ahead of me on the other side of the road. There was a jeep 10 feet behind me in the middle of the road of minesweepers, two, two minesweeping guys. Slimmer said, mind, and he bent down and he curled around it. You know, it was a 60-pound A19 mine. Slimmer, I said, what are you doing? Why is it taking you so long? Uh, what you're supposed to do is, is reach, when you re see a mine, you dig around it, <clears throat> there's a plunger, and around the plunger there's a sleeve, and you take the plunger, take a grenade first away from your pouch, pull the pin, throw the grenade away, keep the pin, take the plunger of the mine and push it down in the, into the sleeve where there's a little hole and put the pin in, tie a string, and then go back about 10 feet, lay flat, and pull, pull the pin. When that plunger goes up, it'll blow up. Slimmers, I said, you know how to do it, do it. And he, he said, I, 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 I can't stand it anymore. I, I don't mind killing gooks. I, I just don't like killing kids, especially a little bit. And he started to cry. And I said, Slimmer, do, do, we'll talk about it later. Do the mind thing. Well, come over and do it for me. I said, no, no, it's your thing, no. And he stepped on the mine, pushed the plunger down with his foot. He says, come help me. I said, no. And he said, see him? Just like that, he, he blew up. I've, I've, I've learned to, to through Doxian to not relive it anymore. I learned not to relive it so I can tell it, so I can tell these people uh, who still suffer from post-traumatic stress, it's okay to talk about it, but it's not okay to relive it over and over and over again. It hurts. The painting I painted, I painted 37. Number 37 was a uh, Slimmer's five-ton dump truck number. and. We were going to, uh, after the service. Oh, that, that's why the 37 faces? Yeah, that's why the seven, seven, 37 faces. Mm -hmm. yeah. But I painted other people in it. I painted the, the, the gook I long, saw alongside the road. He was dead. And some GIs were just poking at him, taking their gun or weapon, and then boom, boom, shoot him. You know, playing with the dead. I didn't like, I didn't like that. The VC were laid across the road, and... <clears throat> Notes were put on them, the dead VC, and they lay there for three days, and then the villagers were, would bury them. I didn't understand my head. I mean, I come home, and, and all these memories were inside my head. This is the first one I killed, the Tet Offensive. It, God, it was beautiful. <laughs> That's the first thing I thought of when, when it was right outside post. Napalm bombs going off everywhere, and rockets, and, and people shooting and stuff, and all kinds of hassle. And all of a sudden, there's a V.C. I had to do what I did. And I, I was a religious person. I, I grew up in the church, a uh, church family, uh, three times a week, four times a week. I go to Nam. I mean, I, I, I was... felt not killed. 
when I went to Nam, the whole it was everything was gone. Everything was totally different. Yeah, right. When I came home, everything was. I thought I landed in the wrong country because. It, and you were hassled when you came home. I was hassled when I come home. Yeah. I said, "What is it?" And the camp driver says, "Get rid of the uniform." Yeah, yeah. Take did, it away. Didn't he actually not take you because you were? Yeah, in the one one actually didn't take me home. Two miles. They wouldn't take me two miles to my house. After going to war and going through all of that, you come home to be not welcomed and treated like a uh, like the enemy instead of like a uh, the hero that you are. Yeah, I, I thought I thought I was a I thought I was a loser. I said, "Wow, you know." Good. Uh, I didn't know what was happening. I didn't know why I was. Uh, I told my girlfriend, who waited three years, uh, we were going to get married. I came home. I was sitting on her couch, visiting her. Her nephew come. It was uh, uh, February third or February fourth, uh, 1970, and her nephew come running in the other room <clears throat> in the living room with his air rifle that he got for Christmas. And flash, I flash back to uh, Vietnam. I, I says, Duck Slimmer, the bastard has a weapon. Excuse my friends. And I pushed her into the coffee table, thinking I'm shoving her down somewhere into the ditch. Jumped over the coffee table, grabbed the kid by the weapon, and flung him. And he goes scooting across the saline and hit his head on a, on a chair and bounced on the cushion, soft cushion, and bounced on the floor. He thought it was fun. It's wow! And within 10 seconds, my foot was on his chest, and the bed, butt, of the weapon, bed of, butt of the weapon was going down toward his forehead. And my girlfriend screamed. And I snapped out of it, and about that far from his head. And I just shook. I, I didn't know what to do. I come through. Uh, uh, Behind closed doors, I thought that was a neat title because I came, came to, to, to sober up long enough to figure meet a couple of people that says, "Hey, you got you, you got a VA, you, you got something coming, go, come to the vet group with me." <coughs> well, I'm not gonna go to the vet group. They told me in the '70s they had nothing coming, and oh yes, yes. So I went. I met Tat Chien. And I said, wow, I'm, I'm starting to feel something or, or, or I'm coming out of my shell from alcoholism because I, I drank in the woods alone. Uh, that's For how many years, Bobby? How many years did I drink? Yeah, after the war. 1979 years ago I quit. Yeah, yeah. I stopped. Yeah. I mean, I had periods where I was Sober a year and year and two months, I put myself through high school then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From a second grade level down uh, up to a high school level, graduated a straight A student with honors and a plus a college degree. Uh, I mean, a, a certificate for two years, mm -hmm. free. I never showed up. I drank too much. I yeah. congratulated. I patted myself on the back too hard. You know. Uh, it's it's kind of neat because if I says well uh, I deserve one at least you know one drink won't hurt me and all of a sudden four years later after that first drink I'm in prison eight years later I'm out of prison 
Two years later, I'm off parole. Parole officer hands me the paperwork and says, you're off parole. I waited 10 minutes. He waited 10 minutes. I said, my watch says 5. Your watch says 10 after. So one minute after 5, I reached in and I pulled out a pint. I said, you want a drink? He called me a fool. He says, go get help. Now I'm sober nine years. And I understand now why I drank so much. Yes, yes. It's really, really common with guys with PTSD because it wipes out the pain. The, the fundamental unconscious equation is what's really relevant here that Bobby and I have talked a lot about and that I talked to all the guys about. And the fundamental unconscious equation goes like this. The more you care, the more it hurts. The more, you, the more you're emotionally invested in your kid and your wife and, your, and Slimmer and all your friends, the more you care, the more it hurt. So when you experience this, what we do psychologically is we create this barrier around ourselves, this bubble, this wall, okay. and we don't let people in. And, <clears throat> and drinking is really convenient because that's a great way to wipe oh, people yeah. out and keep them out. <laughs> and I know for years, Bobby lived under a bridge. Yeah, that was fun. <laughs> I had a trailer. I had a trailer to live in, perfectly good trailer, but I couldn't live in that trailer at night. Yeah. looked like a bunker. Right, right. And it, it, it sounded like a bunker. I, and sometimes I had nightmares of the bunker because the one guy in the bunker, it's, it's when the rounds come in 2 o'clock in the morning, uh, you hit for the bunker. The first man in just is all the snakes away. <laughs> I never was the first man. <laughs> but the, the, the man in the middle lights a candle and they light a candle and when the rounds stop, you have to blow out the candle. And then you listen for 10, 10 minutes and see if any ground attack or ground rounds coming in. And then it's safe to go peek your head out of the window, out of the bunker. Right. This is just a long hole in the ground with a, a, a curved roof with sandbags on it. Uh, Harmon decided one night we're getting rounds in and, and uh, we lit the candle and they stopped. and. He blew out the candle. He waited. He's, nothing's coming. He picked his head up and boom. And I said, uh-oh. Get back down here. And I pulled him down. He had no head. I lit the candle and that's how I saw. I said, blow out the candle quick. So in AA they have such a thing as, as uh, candlelight meetings. I can't go to one because of the candle smell. I went to one and I freaked out. I went to one the, the last week. Last yeah, week. Yeah, 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 yeah. You've actually been able to... Just, just to see. Yeah, to, to, well this is one of the ways we push back the PTSD. After talking about it, uh, Bobby wanted to push it back, wanted to be able to do the candlelight ceremony. And guess what? I, I stayed for the whole meeting. All right, Bobby. I yeah. even blew out a candle. All right, all right. I even smelt the candle. And I did flash back to that time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I didn't relive it. Yes. And that's, yeah. that's, that's why the painting, because I, I, I'm, I'm... You put it in the painting. Together. Get it out of you and put it in the painting. All right.
I have been absolutely thrilled to work with the guys that, like Bobby, that I've been able to work with. I work with almost exclusively Vietnam vets now, uh, most of which are guys Bobby knows. Every single one of them has done well for seven, eight years now, uh, and have stayed sober, uh, whereas they were all alcoholics, they were all violent, they all went to prison, they all uh, had terrible, terrible war experiences, and, and now can talk about them and <clears throat> can talk about life. I talk about life. Yeah, I mean, yeah. uh, I, I mean, I, one, one of the things I want to be careful about here is that we don't run too long. We're gonna we're gonna bring you back and talk some more and have you tell some more stories. Oh, uh, okay. uh, but this is the, this is our introductory show. I just wanted to uh, let you folks know what I've been listening to for the last eight nine years and what I've been dealing with. And uh, uh, and every single guy that I talk to, I've asked, is it okay to tell your story? Is it okay to to let other people know. Every single one of them says the same thing. Yes, I want the world to know what happened to me. Uh, I, I don't want it to happen to other people. And I, I think most of them have ended up anti-war. <laughs> and uh, uh, not very comfortable with the threat of going to war. So, God bless you all. We'll be back. Thank you, Bobby. God Thank bless you, you man. Yeah. yeah.